Hello and welcome back to the history of the British Isles. This is episode 9, The Coming of the Saxons, Supercharged. In this episode, I'm trying something new. Instead of making a small and concise episode, I'm going to do a bit of a longer episode. I want to be able to tell as much as possible about history, and this seems like the best possible form factor to do this. Without further ado, let's begin. Last week, I swept over the British Isles and gave a brief explanation of the coming of the Saxons. This time I'm going more in-depth of the Anglo-Saxon migration. Saxons were some of the best mercenaries in the world. They came from a world of scarcity and war, and becoming a mercenary was the ultimate solution. It ended scarcity and gave the Saxons large amounts of wealth. The Northern English warlords almost certainly hired Saxon mercenaries to fight at the Picts, and those on the eastern seaboard may have hired Saxons to fight off Germanic raiders some of who would have also been Saxons. These mercenaries would have gone home and told their compatriots that Britain was a fertile land and it was ripe for the taking. The Saxons flooded England with masses of men and were met by weak resistance. Bede, a chronicler, who many of you may know as the writer of the Ecclesiastical History of Britain, tells us that Germanius, Bishop of Auxerre, and Lupus, Bishop of Troyes, led a rescue mission from Northern Gaul to save the Britons from the oncoming hordes and from Pelagnus, a radical sect of Christianity. The heresy was seen as an embarrassment, something unusual and a blot in the church in Britain's record. It, it was something to be avoided. On the arrival of the two bishops, they were met by cheering crowds who were eager to see the theological debate take place. In the debate, the, Britons rout, the bishops routed the heretical theologians and persuaded the masses to stay with the one true faith, as they saw it. After the theological success of the bishops, they moved on to the matter of dealing with the invaders. I can imagine them sigh and say that God's workers should not get involved in petty temporal matters. The Saxons, the Saxons of the pits had united, though, and were pushing south. The Britons formed a united army to counter the horde and called on the help of the bishops in repelling the Saxon and Pictish horde. Germanius, who seems to be taking the centre stage at the moment, was to lead the armies into battle. He spread his main force out on the plain, where they were going to meet the Saxons at, and stationed a small force to ambush them off to the side. When battle was joined, the Saxons advanced. Spread confusion, Germanius called all of his men, including the ambushers, to, tell, to scream a war cry. The Saxons believed that they were surrounded and so fled the field. Even though the Britons had won a victory, Saxons, the Saxon threat had increased. This is the final bit of this tale that I will take directly from Bede, the rest of it being things he references. Remember that this may not, this may not have all happened. It was just writing of monks who were generally from later times. Now, back to the story. By the 440s, the Britons asked uh, ask, ask for help again. This time from the gut, from the gut, from the commander of Roman forces on the continent, Aetus. No help was forthcoming, and Britain was left unguarded. This is the final bit of bead, and the collective tale of monks that I will tell now. Let's return to the common narrative. There are many ideas about what happens next. The Britons seem to have been totally eliminated from England. The common opinion on this is genocide, and on the surface this looks to be true. It seems like all the old Britons have been wiped out. History is really this simple, though. There are many competing theories for why it appears all the, that all the Britons have gone. 
The one I favour is the theory that some Britons acted more like Saxons to blend in with the new boss. Some Britons were most likely also enslaved by the new bosses, and many may have died, but I do not think it would have been beneficial for the Saxons to kill all, all of the Britons. Above all else, it would have been a useless extra effort for the Saxons to take on. I'm now going to move on to the general path of the invasion. Where were the landings? The Saxons landed near Canterbury and north of Colchester. And from there headed into central England on a mad warpath, destroying whatever came in their way. I've already talked about where they settled in the last episode, but I made some mistakes. The southeast, future Wessex, was sent by Saxons, as was Essex and all of the south up to Kent. I'm sorry that I made that mistake. The next largest migration was that of the Angles. They arrived in northern England and in Lincolnshire and spread out over the north and, and into central England and east Anglia. The third and smallest group was the Jutes. They landed in southern Kent and, the, and in the area around the Isle of Wight and set up their kingdoms in the aforementioned areas without spreading out much. Now let's move on to the Resistance and the tale of King Arthur. If you did not already know, King Arthur was supposed to be a defender against the Saxons who united the Britons. The story, as told in the Rosemary Sutcliffe version, is that Vortigern, who, had, who has usurped the throne of King Constantine of Britain, fled to Wales after the, Sa after the Saxon onslaught, and was told that he would need to build a tower on a specific spot and hide in it. Every night the tower fell down and had to be rebuilt the next day. Vortigern, who spoke to his druids, about how to stop this, and they told him that he would need to sacrifice a child who was born with no mortal father on the on the side of the tower. Vortigern asked his subjects to try to find such a boy, and one of them came back with a young Merlin. He showed Vortigern that there were dragons fighting under the side of the tower. One represented the Britons and one the Saxons. Vortigern was so impressed by this that he did not kill Merlin. The brothers Aurelius and Uther came from across the channel, having fled to Britain, where Vortigern usurped King Constantine, who was their father. They united almost all of England and Wales, and, and overthrew Vortigern. Aurelius was then declared King of Britain, and continued to fight the Saxons. Eventually, his reign ended, and Uther was declared King. On his accession, he called a great banquet of all the nobles in his domain. At the banquet, he caught sight of Igraine, the wife of the Duke of Cornwall. He immediately fell in love and wanted to marry her. As I just said, she was already married. This led Uther to hate the Duke of Cornwall and declare him a rebel for the twists and turns of fate. On the death of the Duke of Cornwall, Uther married Igraine and they had Arthur. Merlin said the young lad needed to be child needed to be sent to a minor noble to be raised so that he could become High King. You all know the story from here. Arthur repels the Saxons and rules Britain while battling off magical and fantastical foes to save his kingdom. But is there any truth in this story? Is it just a story? Or is it based on actual events?